Uh, hey, what's up, guys? This is UK, aka Chris Jane. So today I'm with Mr. Me Peter Morauzi, a teacher, an entrepreneur, an engineer, and the list goes on. So we'll be discussing about his corporate life, uh, his life as an entrepreneur, and his teaching lives, and what he's currently doing with 3D printing, robotics, and many other stuffs in coding. So. Uh, so he, he he's a 70 years old man 74 years old man he plays golf teaches and so much so many other fun activities so uh, he was born in uh, Pennsylvania and graduated from Virginia Tech University and did didn't coal, uh, coal mining right you did engineering coal mining yes exactly so would you like to tell us about your little bit of your college life sir college life is a military college uh-huh. And I spent four years in the military there and got out, did not go in the military, and went into the coal industry. And after the uh, initial job, and I still can't remember the name of the company, if it comes to me, I'll come back and get to Do you edit this? Actually, <laughs> it's a one-time go. Okay, that's fine. No, that's, that's I'll, I'll edit it that's later. Check. It's okay. Um, and I ended up taking a job with a newfound company, United Coal Company in a small town called Grundy, Virginia, and uh, started out uh, as a job. They wanted me to develop an engineering department. So I started as chief engineer, and being a small company owned by seven guys, uh, they just kept plowing all the profits back into the company because they were attorneys and they had their own businesses and they didn't care. They cared about making money, but it was not their living. So everything they made, they plowed back in. When I started, we had somewhere around 15, 16 million in sales, and I stayed with them for about 12 years. And during that period of time, with promotions and all the other things that went with it, I ended up as Senior Vice President of Production, Engineering, Research and Development and Acquisitions. And when I left, the company was doing $750 million a year. Nice. I know a couple years later, the one of the well, the owner sold his company for $850 million, and he became the second richest man in Virginia. Nice. Uh, and after there, I left and uh, went into several other businesses. I was in the vending business. I was in the shoe import, women's shoe import business. Uh-huh. So, uh, would you like to tell us about more about your vending business, how it started, and what do you do there? Uh, a friend of mine owned a business from Charlotte to uh, the coast, Wilmington. And in North he, Carolina, right? In North Carolina, and yep. part of South Carolina. Okay. And he couldn't uh, take care of it all. And in talking to him, it was like, hey, this is fun. I like it. Drive around, maintain the equipment, pick up money. Dot, dot. And uh, I ended up buying half the company from Fayetteville to the coast from him ran it as my own company, an independent company. Ended up hiring four guys at one time and uh, did that for five or six years and finally sold out and got out of the business. And after that, I get into the women's shoe import business with my nephew and my brother-in-law. And we spent five years roughly uh, starting a new company importing women's shoes into the United States. Okay. So where did you import the shoes from? China. Okay. They, we had our, one of our financiers was a Chinese uh, manufacturer. He was in the shoe business. Mm -hmm. He had two factories. Uh, he also did some vertical integration that uh, during that period of time 
he built a tanning company, which was to tan cowhide, make leathers. Okay. And his brother uh, owned a two other factories. Uh, J.C. was our, as I said, our financer, and he knew the shoe business. My brother-in-law knew, was a salesman in shoes. He knew the shoe uh-huh. business. David, his son, who was uh, part of the company, he grew up in the shoe business. Okay. So how and many people like you uh, came to start the business? Like how many people were there in your business? Like they're just the three of us. Everything else three? is contract people. Okay. Like your your brother-in-law. Our salesman, yeah, it was me, my brother-in-law, and David were the three okay. principals. And J.C. was your financier, J.C. Right? was the financier Okay. Uh, for five years. At the end of five years, we needed to stand our own two feet or shut the doors. Okay. Uh, and everything else was contracted. We had a contract warehouse. We had contract salesmen. Uh, we made a decision early on uh, to make our commissions 8% and never change them. Okay. And the industry standard was 4%. <laughs> so okay. we were we attracted and we called a lot of people we didn't take everybody that walked in the door we called a lot of people and we got a good strong sales force that everything we had every season was gone okay you know it's like don't have anymore can't ship anymore they're okay. gone next year we'll do you know next season we'll do the same thing and that was growing at a phenomenal rate uh, in the third I think it was three and a half years uh, we had a contract in Canada. We had sales in Canada through a salesman that had sold. And, and just to give you some background on this, typically if you sell a season, you may get one reorder where they've gone off the shelf and they need more. And we had five or I think we had six or seven reorders from that company. They were selling off the shelves like hotcakes. Okay. And while we were negotiating the next season, the salesman there, and he was, I think we went from 600,000 in sales at that company, and he was looking at 3.5 to 3.8 million in sales the next season from them. They loved it so much. Uh But during that period of time, our financier, uh, JC, called and wanted us to meet New York. So we all, nobody knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. We met in New York, we got up there, I met with JC and he said, I got to pull the plug. And we, nobody knew why. And like, it was no like, one knew why? Like, yeah, why, why are you stopping? Business? Why are you stopping? You know, and he said, I can't tell you. Uh-huh. He said, I, much as I want to continue, yeah, like, love what we're doing, I just got to pull the plug. Uh-huh. You guys, like you said, you guys were having good profits and sales, right? Oh, yeah, so, we were doing phenomenal. So, why, did he, like, why was the reason, like, suddenly he just said he wanted we to We didn't plug? know. Okay. And I didn't finish that story, but... The reason was, and we found out a year later, we ran into J.C. Okay. And he said his company that he had sold, designed and sold high-end leather shoes, women's shoes. Okay. Four, five, six hundred thousand dollars shoes. And the company he was selling them to was being sold out. Okay. And he thought as a manufacturer, he was going to lose that sales. Okay. And he said, I just got to put, he said, at the time, I just got to pull my horns. I may lose my business because yep. this is who I sell to. Uh-huh. And they're being sold. And the people they were selling to, he said, I know that company. Come to find, he came to find out they bought that company so they had him as their manufacturer, not to get rid of him. Okay, just had him, have him as a now manufacturer. He was their, now he was their manufacturer. Okay. He said, if I'd have known that, we'd have kept going. 
Uh-huh. He said, I thought I was going to shut the doors. It was like, what can you do? Okay. Yeah. He made a decision based on what he knew and was like, okay. So we ended up closing the doors. He, he was really nice. He said, whatever shoes you got, sell them, split up the money, and be done mm-hmm. with it. Okay. So, you know, gave me a little nest egg, everybody a little nest egg that said, yeah. fine, let's It would have on. been hard for you to shut the doors, right? Like, oh, yeah. like you started your business and suddenly you have to close it, right? Oh, man, it was terrible. It's the best job I ever had. Love okay. It. Yep. So, having done that, I went mm-hmm. over and got into teaching eventually. Okay. So, how, how, how do you start start teaching and what do you think, like, what, you, what made you get into a teaching profession, like, starting from as an, as an engineer, then an entrepreneur, then suddenly a teacher, what was the, what came into your mind that you wanted to do it? While I was doing the shoe business, okay, I had an opportunity to, because the shoe business is seasonal, you bust your butt for two or three months, then you're off for two or three months. Uh-huh. Bust your butt for two or three months, then you're off. And I had an opportunity with that time to say, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I did some uh, substitute teaching over at Union Pines High School. Okay. Where, where is the Union Pines Union Pines is over near Pinehurst. Okay, okay. It's on the north side of Pinehurst. Okay. And we uh, moved over there to give our kids an education because we were not happy with Cumberland County High Schools. Okay. And my wife went to visit a high school and said, my kids are not going to high school here. Okay. We're moving. Uh-huh. So we moved over there, stayed long enough for the kids to get their education. I did some substitution. Came back to Fayetteville after they had both graduated. I was like, okay, what are you going to do now? And my wife at the time even said, why don't you go teach? So I looked into it, and I was able to do lateral entry from engineering with my engineering background into teaching because they gave me credit uh, from a pay standpoint to be able to start teaching and not be a new teacher but have 15, 16 years experience, which gave me a pretty decent salary. Okay. So I did that at Grace Creek High School, took a job, uh, and that was about 15, 16 years ago, and uh, worked at Grace Creek High School for two or three years, Uh, started a mentoring program where juniors and seniors applied to be mentors to freshmen Mm -hmm. Uh, and I ran that program for two or three years and then I was asked to come to or go to Douglas Bird High School and do that also they wanted that program at great uh, Douglas Bird High School so I moved over to uh, Douglas Bird and I was there for about four or five years and while I was at Douglas Bird there were about five or six high schools in the area, uh, even over in Elizabethtown, that wanted the mentoring program. And I just went over and trained their people, set it up, and they did a mentoring program. Uh, We had a change of principals at Douglas Bird High School. And when he came in and said, we're not going to do that mentoring program anymore. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. While at Douglas Bird, one of our assistant principals was married to a gentleman uh, who worked over in Richmond County, who was in charge of the IT department. Okay. And he had uh, started and was interested in 3D printing and gaming and okay. coding and all those things. Mm-hmm. And he had the background for it. Okay. And he started a club, which was a gaming club. 
Okay, in Douglasburg High School, right? No, this is over in Richmond County. Richmond County, okay. Yeah, and his wife worked at Douglasburg. Douglasburg. So he was running that program, and he started out with a grant, and he got a big screen uh, projector, and mm-hmm. he got a grant for some software and for some computers. Okay. And one of the stories that really sticks with me is that the a guidance counselor came to see him, and he was doing this as a club. And a guidance counselor came to see him and said, I got a kid that's a ninth grader that says there's nothing you can offer him in this high school. He wants to drop out. Uh-huh. And can you help me? Can you talk with the kid? He said, sure. So Jeff said, you know, have him come by after school and meet with me. And he met with him. And he explained the gaming and the coding and the, and the things that he was doing. The kid immediately said, Hey, I like that. Uh-huh. The gaming? Coding yeah, all of it. Yeah, nice. he said, I like that. Uh-huh. So he decided to stay in school only because of that issue. They met after school, and finally this kid uh, got to a point where he was in charge of the club. And they were doing a – and I went – we went – we took a group of kids from Douglas Bird on Saturday to visit what he was doing over in Richmond County. And they had uh, a game that they were developing that was supposedly set up for teachers to download and be able to play flying game that as you flew this airplane and you captured a balloon, mm-hmm. you got to answer a question or you got so many points for it. And, okay. You know, and it was just intriguing what he was doing. Uh-huh. And the next year they got some 3D printers. Okay. And then they got some scanning equipment, 3D scanning. And then they got some more computers through grants. And it got to a point where they had so much input from students that they actually built a building to do this with. Okay. Over in Richmond County. Uh-huh. And then Jeff was running the whole organization. Uh, What's yeah. the organization name? Uh, uh, are they still running it right now? I'm not sure if they still are because Jeff has changed jobs. Okay. But they were doing 3D printing, 3D scanning. They had like six or seven printers. They had five or six scanners. They had 27 computers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and the school revolved, that, that middle school revolved okay. around kids coming through this process. Nice. So they started this in middle school? They started this in middle school. Nice. So like the children can have the exposure from the middle school itself. Absolutely. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. They develop an interest. Yeah. So his wife said, I want to start a club just for girls of 3D printing Okay. at Douglas Bird. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mr. Morosi, would you help me? Sure. You know, what do I know? <laughs> okay. So she started the club. She had a grant for $5,000. She bought two printers. Uh, we had a computer lab that she was able to use. Jeff came over the first couple of times to help set up the organization. Uh, show them the software that we could use that was already on the, the computers. Mm-hmm. He said, you guys can use this. You already got it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go buy anything. You know, you get a couple of printers and you get a scanner and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So we did that for a couple of years and we had 27 girls in the club and they would meet on Saturday for four or five hours. And we did that every month. And then our assistant principal got promoted to a principal at another school. And she said, hey, can you do this? And I said, yeah. So I did it for the next couple of years. Okay. And again, another principal came in and said, we're not going to do that. 
Okay. And I got engaged and involved with all of that. And I started reading, I started looking, and I started uh, getting challenged by what was available and what was out there. Uh-huh. So kind of that became your new kick, right? Like, <coughs> yeah, it was my, my new hobby. A new hobby. Like, it was my new yeah, hobby. Yeah. And uh, again, I moved from there back over to Grace Creek High School. And at Grace Creek High School, we have what they started as an enrichment class. And it started three years ago. And the enrichment class was we had clubs throughout the school. Mm -hmm. Students could sign up for different clubs. And once a week for two hours, they could come to that club. Okay. And I started digital design and additive manufacturing. During this period of time, I also applied for several grants. Okay. Uh, big grants, $170,000, okay. grants. Right. And my objective was to make Grace Creek High School, Grace Creek Middle School, Grace Creek Elementary Schools a hub of 3D printing. Okay. And digital design and additive manufacturing. Uh -huh. And that's when I really got into this stuff of the software for printing or for you take software and you develop an object and you take that object file and you load it into a printer file and you have to manipulate it and change it so the printer accepts it and then you can print out whatever object you made mm -hmm. and then you can scan the object with the scanner uh, I've got a uh, football and I want to I'm not going to reinvent it I'm going to duplicate it yep so I can scan the football, I can take it, put it into software for the printer, and print the football. Uh -huh. And I can print it different sizes, make it big, make it small, do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. Uh, and I decided that, and I, I, the school, I had a couple of small grants, but not enough to do what I wanted, so I started buying my own stuff. And I bought two 3D printers, uh, and I'll talk about those in a minute. I got my own scanner. I had my own laptop. I did my own software and downloaded. There's a l tremendous amount of free software out there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, claymation. Claymation is a software that you got. You got this ball of clay. Okay. And you get to play with it and do what you want with it. Okay. okay. And make what you want with it. Design what uh -huh. you want with it. You can be artistic and put, uh, you know, long hair, horns, long okay. nose, crooked nose. You can do all kinds of stuff with this set piece of clay that's digital clay uh-huh when you're done you can download it into a printing software and turn right around and print your object into whatever you want yep uh the same thing with scanners uh with scanning uh I, the scanning we did was to scan an individual you scan an individual you walk around and you take uh -huh. enough shots at it uh -huh. that you can turn right around and take that program that scanning program download a file into the printer and print your face, print uh -huh. your head, print your hair, print your mustache, print mm -hmm. everything about you, your eyebrows. And it depends on the quality of the printing and the the scanning that you do. And that was like a $300, $400 scanner. Okay. And you could do all this stuff with it. Mm -hmm. So I got a scanner. I have got two 3D printers. I started getting into uh, robotics. And I bought a couple hundred dollar robotic arm you showed us before in the well, seminar there, there's two one that i printed and one that uh, you bought put together as a kit okay and you could program it to reach over pick up your glass take it over here 
dump it out, take it back, put it down, okay. pick it up, nice. take it over, dump uh-huh. it. You can program it to do all these things. Like a regular arm. Just a regular robotic arm. Uh-huh. Uh, during that period of time of at Douglas Bird and Grace Creek, Jeff had left the Richmond County school systems and went to work for Richmond Community College. Okay. During that period of time, Jeff was invited to uh, Fayetteville State University. Okay. And at Fayetteville State University, they had a grant, a Navy grant, that ran for four and a half or five years. And the grant was set up to do all the things I just talked about. But they didn't know what to do. And Jeff had background in it. And they knew some people. And they called him over and said, you know, can you run this program? And he said, yeah, I can do it. It was Saturday, every Saturday, one Saturday a month. And what was really nice about it was the first year, 50 freshmen from Cumberland County schools were selected and asked if they wanted to join this group. And they didn't have to. Uh, and they had to have all kinds of permission from parents. They had to have an, a, an interview with the parents because it was a commitment. Mm-hmm. Your kid's going to commit one Saturday a month, every month for 12 months, to come to F- Fayetteville F- State yep. and be part of this program. And if they agreed, they were given a laptop of their own. That's why they needed this big commitment of, mm-hmm. this is not you come three months, you're off, yep. you're going to make a commitment. And you're going to do it for four years. And Jeff was running this, and I got to talk to him. I said, I'd like to come out. He said, just come on out. You can help us. So I would go out and uh, be not part of their team, but I would just walk around and monitor and watch what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they would bring, bring in professional people from uh, NC State, uh, UNC, uh, and they covered a gambit of discussions. Okay. Uh, from, you know, what do you want to do with your life to... I'm an expert in 3ds Max, this software. Okay. And they were there for eight hours on Saturday. Like was every, a, every, uh, every once a month. One, one month, one Saturday a month, they made a commitment. So, okay. so the first year they had 50 kids. Uh-huh. The next year was cohort two, and again they went through that selection of 50 kids. So it was just fixed number 15. And they had, and then the next year would be 50 more. Okay. And the next year 50 more. Okay. Well, I was in the middle of it. And I know Jeff came to me several times and said, you know, I got some kids that are in the military. They had to move. Uh, they just absolutely said, I can't do this anymore, whatever it may be. He said, he had six, seven, eight openings. And he said, Pete, I need six or seven, eight people next month. Okay. He said, can you get them? I was at Douglas Bird then. Uh-huh. Can you get them? It's like, yep. The next weekend, I had seven people lined up. I talked to their parents, got them all lined up. They went to the program. And I met with many of the parents afterwards and said, you know, if it wasn't for this, my kid would never have an opportunity to even see these kind of things. Okay. Let alone dream about being part of it. Mm-hmm. And there were some really neat things they did. At the end of the year, they had a contest that said, here's a problem. You walked in on Saturday. Here's a problem. You've got four hours to finish it, to fix it. Okay. And I recall one of the problems was we have a space station that needs a caliper printed because they have a 3D printer. Uh-huh. And they need this part printed 
to fix this machine that's up there. Okay. So you need to have them, you need to develop a, a caliper so that they can print it and use it. Okay. And then they need to print the parts so they can measure it with the caliper to make sure it fits. Okay. And that's your project. Uh-huh. And it has to be done in four hours. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, you know. I mean, the hands are and, experienced. And it was like eight or nine thousand dollars for first place. Okay. The kids that did it. And uh-huh. then there was a second place and a third place. Okay. You know, this is more of a regional contest that they did for this group. Mm-hmm. And you know, the kids it's unbelievable some of the things they were able to do. And they were able to work in in that one they were teamed up in groups of four. Yeah, okay. team of four. Your team enters, walk in Saturday, here's your problem, go solve it. Okay. And they did. You nice. know, ninety percent of the kids solved the problem. Uh, and it was a matter of who did it in time, who did it accurately. Because okay. they actually went later and printed what they gave them. Uh-huh. And see if in fact it worked. Did the okay. calipers actually work uh-huh. that I could measure this Nice. to the nearest hundredth mm-hmm. and did this part get printed properly mm-hmm. i mean it was not just develop and design it and walk away like they, they were you making it for their use they printed it after the kids left to make sure because before they made the announcements of who won they actually went back and printed these things to mm-hmm. say this this group did everything perfect yeah this group did everything except their part was off okay. this did everything their calipers didn't work you know mm-hmm. they went through the the process of learning. Okay. What's really neat about this program is that when a kid finished, he would have somewhere around, I think Jeff said, 222 hours Okay. of coding, 3D printing, 3D design, scanning. He got into robotics. He got into drones. He got into all the other things, too. Uh-huh. And when they walked out the door as a high school senior, they had 220 hours of background in that. To nice. put on their resume to go to college. Uh huh. And kids don't ever, ever get that kind of. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a special experience. That oh gosh, yeah. Of course. Now back to the guy that was in the gaming. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That's Jeff. Yep. Uh huh. Jeff started, and this kid started, and he got involved, and he stayed with Jeff. He didn't go to the. Jeff stayed through his graduation, but the kids stayed every year. They got 3D printers. They got skin, and this kid was in charge of it. Okay. You know, yeah, I've got my job, but you're in charge of this design, you know, set up, teach these kids Saturdays, Sundays. He started all kinds of little programs on the side to bring three-year-olds and five-year-olds and ten-year-olds, okay. you know, just to expose kids to all the things that are available to them. Mm-hmm. This kid stayed with him and graduated, finally, and when he graduated, he said, Jeff, what am I going to do? Jeff said, well, you've worked with 3D printing. You know this equipment. Go talk to the 3D printing company. Okay. So he said, okay. So he set up an appointment, an interview. Okay. And they were in Charlotte. Well, they were in South Hills, or just south of Charlotte. He set up an interview, and Jeff tells the story. He says, about lunchtime, I get this call from this kid. He said, Jeff, they're talking about 401Ks and all this <laughs> stuff. He said, what shall I do? He said, take the job, take the job. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So telling your salaries and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, and here's what this kid did. He went down there and he interviewed in six different departments. Okay. And in one of those departments, when he's walking around with a group of people, he said, oh, yeah. He said, you got problems with that printer over there. He said, let me show you how you fix it. And they all looked at him and said, he walked over, took that printer apart, pulled the print head out of it, and said, this nozzle situation right here, dun, 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 and he fixed it with a paper clip. He said, now you won't have any more problems. Okay. And 
That's what sold him. Okay. He went to work, and I think he started out at $59,000 a year. Nice. So out of high school. Out of high school. And all he knew was 3D printing and printing and scanning and 3D design. And he learned the software, how to build and design. And they recently, I think it was two years ago, they wanted him to go back to college part-time. They didn't okay. want to send him full-time because exactly. he now runs their entire maintenance department of their yep. printers. They make printers that are $700,000 printers. Okay. And he's in charge of the maintenance of the company's maintenance of all the printers. When someone has a problem, he goes out in the field okay. and he's working on it. Uh-huh. So they wanted him to go back because they wanted to again promote him and give him a title of an engineer, but he's not an engineer. Okay. So they're trying to get a way that he can get back to school, get an engineering degree. Okay. So that he can one get the title and they're gonna and they keep raising his pay. Yep. And there's a success story from a kid that wanted to drop out of high school because uh-huh. you offer me nothing here. Yep. <laughs> was it the same kid who was like confused, didn't know what to do, and like suddenly yeah. started? I mean, that's really inspiring. Yeah. Like. It's like gaming. Oh, you you, you entice me. <laughs> yep. And now I'm I'm you, making. Yeah. You don't know when it suddenly strikes your mind. Like you just you like it, you just do it, right? Yeah. And and that's, there there are success stories like that uh-huh. throughout my engagement in that. The six or seven kids that were, I think they were at Douglas Bird at that time, and they got involved in the program. Uh-huh. You know, they saw it through for four years. They walked away with a laptop. Okay. Uh, they got an experience, as their mom and dads would say, that they would never have the ability to get. Okay. Uh, and I'm trying, I wanted to do the same thing at Grace Creek High School with a grant. Okay. In that I wanted... With one hundred seventy thousand dollars, start with the start with the freshmen and sophomores, and start a club that would have. And I had the schedule was every Saturday. Okay. And that was two different cohorts. One group would be the first Saturday and third Saturday. Another would be the second and fourth. Mm-hmm. And I would have that would be during the year, and that would be eight hours a day. And then in the summertime, we ran two three-week sessions with 75 to 80 kids in each session. Mm-hmm. And the first year was to take the high school students and get them engaged in all of these things. Mm-hmm. And the second year, they became the teachers okay. for the upcoming freshmen right. and get the middle school kids coming over for one of those sessions. Nice. The next year... We would do the same thing, except we would expand and have equipment and people at the middle school doing their program, and we would then engage the elementary school, down to fifth grade is as far as we felt Mm -hmm. we could go. You get below fifth grade, and their minds wander. They can do it. They really get engaged with it, Mm -hmm. but after a period of time, their minds wander, and it's below fifth grade. Okay. So if you could get a group involved in 5th grade, 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, when they leave, they're going to have be exposed to so many phenomenal things. Uh-huh. And they can pick and choose if they want to use them. Yep. Where does it all go? Every industry that you can look at today is engaged in some sort of 3D printing. Medically, they're printing 3D parts for the oh, body. Okay. They're printing veins. Mm-hmm. They're printing uh, lungs. They're printing bones. They're mm-hmm. printing 
uh, teeth. They're okay. printing uh, face. You know, if someone gets their face crashed in, they can replace those bones with 3D printing. Uh, you can look at the engineering department. You can look at uh, pretty much any dis discipline in engineering that always is going to and always can get engaged in 3D printing. The airline industries. Mm -hmm. General Electric. General Electric makes the engines for all the airplanes, the big airplanes. Mm -hmm. They spent $1.5 billion to buy and get into 3D printing. Okay. For their engine parts. Uh huh. Uh, primarily, they started with their nozzles. Okay. There are 17 nozzles that feed fuel into a jet engine. Okay. The prior process was 17 parts that had to be smelted, melted, formed, uh, all the conventional methods to make a, a one of the 17 parts, weld them all together, polish them down, grind them down, and then here's your nozzle. Okay. And they now 3D print that metal part. Uh-huh. And... They've improved its efficiency because they can control every part of that part that's being printed. Mm -hmm. And they now put, I think there's 27 parts in that engine that are made by 3D printing. Okay. The blades uh -huh. are a titanium blade that is 3D printed in titanium. Okay. Uh, and I don't know all the other parts. But the industry, my concept is if you can get exposed to it, in some capacity for 100, 150, 200 hours, when you get into your industry and you can say to someone, yeah, I know what you're talking about, a 3D printer. I've worked them. I've operated them. I know how to scan something. I know how to do the software. Uh, not, And you're not the expert, but your background in it opens doors that you would never see. Them. Oh, I'm going back to school to do learn how to do 3D printing. You don't need to. Uh and that's the driving force behind it. And I've gotten into robotics. I've gotten into drones. Mm -hmm. I've gotten into uh, robotic cars. And all of these, and this is the unique part about it, are all driven. The underlying part to it is coding. Okay. You code a printer. So it all sums up to code. It's coding. You tell a printer, and there's two or three different types of printers, but you tell a printer, start here at these XYZ coordinates, mm -hmm. go this direction for this fast, for this temperature, mm -hmm. for this length, stop, it's called G-code, turn 90 degrees and go, same, you know, and turn 90 degrees, go, 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 and all you're doing is line by line by line by line by line is telling it to follow this path and put a piece of plastic, melted plastic down. Okay. And the other one, there's several different types of printers. Uh, one is going to be plastic. Uh, the other ones are going to also be plastic. You already get up into metal printing, gold printing, 3D printing, titanium printing. Uh, and just to have ex just to have exposure to this as a student, just open stores. Mm -hmm. Some will never use it. You know, I, I go through it, I love it, and I get into financing. Uh -huh. You know, if you're in financing and you're in banking... You may never use it, but you may deal with the company that needs to finance 3D printing. Yep. Yeah, at least have the knowledge. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. You know? Exactly. Uh, and, and that's, I just, and I read, I get probably four or five emails every day from 3D printing companies mm -hmm. with white papers, 
and, and exposure and, oh, they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that. One of the greatest success stories in it all, and we can sum it up here, Okay, has to do with a company called Carbon Printing Company. Okay. Carbon is was made and started by three gentlemen, and I, I think it's, I want to say NC State or UNC, I'm not sure which. The one gentleman, DeSimon, was a professor at the college, and he taught doctorates, mm-hmm. people who were going for their doctor's degree. And he's a chemist by trade, and his other partners, one of them is a chemist and one of them is a physicist. Mm-hmm. And they got involved with learning about the 3D printing, and they took it a little bit different, and they said, you know, you remember the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the melted guy that came out of the metal? Terminator? Terminator. Yep. Why can't we do that? <laughs> Why can't we print up like that? And they put together a carbon printer that takes whatever material you want to use and prints it. And the question is, well, what about that material? And this is the key to it. They're chemists. You tell them the properties you want in your product. It needs to withstand 450 degrees. It's going to be close to a car engine. It needs to withstand below 32 degrees. It needs to be clear so I can see through it. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. Whatever the properties are and you need in that product, we can chemically develop it and then use it in our printer. Mm-hmm. And they currently are in the process. They left. Well, they didn't really leave. They have a bunch of graduate students still doing work for them mm-hmm. at the colleges. But they went to uh, uh, Washington. And they started their own 3D printing company, Carbon. Mm-hmm. They have contracts with Adidas. Okay. They have contracts with BMW. Okay. They have contracts with, I'm trying to think of some of the other companies. And they don't sell their printers. They lease them. Lease them, yeah. Another different financial approach to it. And you tell them what product you want, what properties have to be. They'll develop that. They'll deliver that to you, and you print it. Their objective, and I recall one of his uh, TED Talks, was we want our printers to run so fast that they generate heat. And if they generate heat, we we love things that generate heat because we can take that heat and make energy out of it. Okay, yeah. We also want our printers to be in the assembly line. Current printing outside of 3D metal printing is not in the assembly line. I've got an idea. I've got it. I want to change this product. I can modify it. I can scan it. I can print it. And here's your prototype. Mm-hmm. Does it fit? Can I manipulate it? Does it do the job it's supposed to do? And if it does, then I want to take it to a manufacturer and say, print me a thousand of them. Print me 20,000. I need these forever. That's the current use of 3D printers. They want their printer to be in the factory assembly line that says, we're making the BMWs. And our armrest and our uh, door handle is 3D printed. And when I'm going to put one in the car, I want to turn around and take it off the 3D printer and put it in the car. Next car comes by, turn around and there's a 3D printer and put it in the car. 
mm-hmm. turn around and have three D printers wherever needed, mm-hmm. be it you know big enough, and and they've got three D printers now that are six feet by six feet by six feet. Okay. The largest printer is one that was made up in Maine at the universe. I think it's the University of Maine. They three D printed a boat. Yeah, you showed us that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the application to be part of the manufacturing process is the objective of carbon. All the rest of them are kind of outside the 3D metal printing. We make the fans for the jet, we fix them up, we take them, we send them to the factory, they assemble the, fa- the, mm-hmm. the fan. The nozzles, we print the nozzles, we send them to the factory, they assemble the, the engine. Uh, carbon's approach to it is going to transform manufacturing. 3D printing is transforming manufacturing. One quick story uh, that has to do with that, and I'll finish. While I was doing all this work, Jeff and I decided, uh, I had some kids, 17 kids at Grace Grace Creek High School. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to put on a, a program for them. And Jeff says, why don't we get them certified in 3D printing? Okay. I said, that sounds good. It's an objective, you know. Mm-hmm. We're going to come to a class. When you leave, you get a certificate of completion of 3D printing. And it was a week program. And it was five days and Saturday was a test. Written test and a test to do uh, hands-on. You know a 3D printer? Take it apart. Okay. You know a 3D printer? Tell us all these parts. Mm-hmm. And then the test, the written test. I think we had 17 girls and guys. Because mm-hmm. we, I tell you what, girls really get involved with this. It's amazing. Okay, that's and good. It, I mean, it's, it just crosses all boundaries. You know, it's not limited to anybody. But we had 17 people out there, and while they were doing the classes, and they and Jeff would put on the classes, and it charged them $25 for the week so they could feed themselves. We used the money to feed them, pizzas and subs and whatever. Okay. Uh, but while Jeff was doing that, his partner out there ran their 3D printing. We printed, while they were doing that, we printed a 3D arm, and then we put the electronics in it, and then we put a glove and cables to it so that you could, and you saw that, you could put the glove on, mm-hmm. and whatever you did with the glove, with your hand, the robotic arm did exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. But while they were doing that, we had built that, and we had a graduation ceremony. Okay, for the kids? Yeah. And the graduation ceremony was, uh, uh, trying to remember his name, our representative, John Soka. Okay. John Soka, I called John and said, John, would you be our guest speaker at our graduation ceremony? What's it for? What are you doing? Yeah, I can do that. Not a problem. Saturday, okay. How long? A couple hours, not a problem. So John shows up, and I had the robotic arm, and I'm showing the kids a robotic arm, and that, uh, the parents are there. And it's really a nice get-together. And John got up to speak, and he had this cardboard box on the table. I said, John, what you guys said? Watch. So he started talking. He said, you know, I'm not only a congressman, but I also have a business. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we make parts for AR-15s and modifications and things like that. And he opens up the box, and he pulls out this. He said, See this part? This goes on an AR-15, and this is our first prototype that we built by hand. Okay. You know, we actually took a piece of wood, we carved it, cut it, uh-huh. did all those things, and this is what it looks like in wood. 
he pulls another one out. He said, and then we went to a company and said, can you now make this in plastic? And this is the second part. He said, and then we got with a company that was a 3D printing company. And he pulled out a part that had been 3D printed. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then once we had that done and we made our changes and modifications to the file to say we need to make it a half inch longer, dot, dot, make all the modifications, then we were able to take that file, send it to our manufacturer, and say manufacture this file okay. over and over and over and over. Uh-huh. So his part in the presentation was 3D printing is here to stay. Yep. And he it's the feature basically right yeah, now. He did he did that presentation and it just fit in with the kids. Uh, you know, we had the newspaper out there. They took mm-hmm. pictures, had us in the paper, had the 17 kids in the paper. And yeah. they all got a certificate. We had 16 of them pass. Uh-huh. And one girl had to retake the test on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Said, we'll give you one more try at it. If you fail it, you fail it. If you pass it, you pass it. And mm-hmm. she passed it. All yeah. 17 of them got certified in 3D. The first certification in the United States. First certification? First certification of 3D yeah. printing. So, okay, here's the last question for yeah, you. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, w- which one is the, like the best phase of your life? Like an engineer, a graduate, graduate from a college, working in a, a coal company, or uh, running a shoe business, or uh, as a teacher? What do you, what do you find the best, uh, the most memorable? My best memories are with shoe import business. Okay, shoe import business. Yep. Okay. And my second is going to be exactly what I'm doing, which is not the teaching part. But the 3D okay. digital design added to manufacturing, uh-huh. and I'm still working on grants. Okay, nice. Uh, because of COVID virus, mm-hmm. they shut the grants down last year. Mm-hmm. Said, you know, we're not going to give you money because you can't get together. Yep. So we put it off for a year, and I'm hoping this year to be able to apply again. Okay, that's and, good. Uh, yeah. You know, if I get it, I'll do it. If I don't, I'll keep applying. Uh huh. Yes, sir. All right. It was nice talking to you, Mr. Peter. And we hope to see you soon on my channel. And all right. Have a great day, sir. All right. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Yup. My pleasure.